I don't know what to call it. Should we call it? I mean, I like dispatches from Seattle, but I don't know. Dispatches from Seattle. (laughs) Um, Okay, actually, you know what? I just Googled dispatches from Seattle and nothing really came up. Hell yes. So let's go with that. And we can change it later if we want. So maybe just like... My Corona. uh, Perhaps we welcome the people, the hypothetical people, the historians who are listening to this after we're long dead. Um, And... um, don't go through Maybe my stuff. Introduce ourselves. You can go through my stuff. It's cool. I get it. Uh, I guess we're Jason and Ethan. Welcome to the podcast, tentatively titled Dispatches from Seattle. Welcome, future travelers. Um, I guess I'll introduce myself first. So my name is Ethan. Uh, I am a resident of Seattle and have been since, what, 2011? Um, And uh, I am what you might call a hard leftist. And I have an MA in Holocaust studies. So if I talk about the Nazis, that's why. Fuck Nazis. Jason, how about you? Hi. My name's Jason. Um, I've been living in Seattle on and off up until around 2011, where I've been living there full time. I uh, got a background in cooking, gave it all up, gave it all up for that sweet crack at the private managerial class, baby. Ooh, hell yeah. good. But uh, I guess political leanings, I am a chaotic centrist. <laughs> Bordering on Stalinist. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I would definitely say that I haven't read enough theory to put a good uh, pin on it. But uh, I'm definitely floating between, like, jailing landlords and fully automated gay space luxury communism. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm down for luxury gay space communism whenever that shit's on offer. Like, yes, please. I'll take, I'll take 12. I'll take 12. I'll take 12 more for my cats. That's cool. We got the resources. I mean, when you're not paying for 11 goddamn aircraft carriers. So I think we want this podcast to just be kind of our discussions in no small part, trying to stay socially connected uh, as we are friends in the real world. Um, Very good friends. And normally we meet on a weekly basis for in-person gaming sessions be it battletech or dungeons and dragons but alas this this nasty nasty microbe has kept us apart for some weeks now yeah um jason perhaps you might like to uh very high level introduce your girlfriend as well because you have a unique connection to this that uh not many people share yeah so i am dating a wonderful woman named Vanessa and she is a nurse. Um, she works in downtown Seattle in the Purcell district and, and she um, is currently on the neuro wing, but it's just a matter of time before the patients are essentially moved on and the nurses are uh, repurposed and put into COVID wings the state over. Um, we basically resigned to the fact that she's going to have to stay at the hospital when the proverbial shit hits the fan. But um, I will be taking on the domestic duties. We'll be holding down the house, 
keeping the hearth lit and the animals fed. Hell yeah. Um, well, we applaud you for uh, supporting your partner uh, in this time of need um, while she goes out and does much needed and very dangerous work. So very props to Vanessa, everyone. Work. In fact, um, a mutual friend of ours was actually exposed a couple weeks ago. A mutual friend who was also, if I recall correctly, a medical professional. Correct. Um, and they're already out of masks and various other medical necessities. So um, said said mutual friend uh, was exposed to a patient that did test positive for coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, she SARS has become SARS-2, and she has become symptomatic. And she is going in to get tested, but um, social distancing <laughs> definitely uh, prevented a potential chain of infection. Uh, especially mm-hmm. since uh, prior to the um, the social distancing suggestion put forth by the state, um, we did have plans made many, many weeks in advance to have brunch to celebrate her SO's birthday. Sure. We did. We put the kibosh on that after after I heard that she was exposed and broke broke a chain right there. So it's it's scary. It's it's close to home. Uh, I hope they're going to be great and we already have a an agreement set up so that we're going to ferry supplies and groceries out to them when they need them because chances are uh they're going to be very very sick in the days to come yeah um for our listeners who are unfamiliar with seattle culture canceling brunch is like honestly a really big fucking deal it's a big deal it's i want uh, you to appreciate this (laughs) how are these anonymous people feeling? I mean, like you mentioned that your mutual friend is symptomatic. Like, uh, you know, what's going on with this person? If you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah. So, um, their partner was laid off recently, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, direct result of the sheltering in place that we have been kind of doing. Um, is not deemed essential, uh, has been laid off. Uh, luckily they are paying for their medical expenses, which is fantastic, but it's also a grim reality that this person has been struggling with respiratory issues for weeks prior to the outbreak, even hitting Washington. Mm-hmm. So Just unrelated, unrelated but... respiratory issues, but they're very much vulnerable to the coronavirus infection right now. So that's, that's pretty, pretty freaky. Um, good thing is, is that, uh, said partner lives with a nurse that uh, deals with um, intensive care patients. So we'll very much know the signs when they need to be moved on to uh, a facility that will be able to help them being either one of the hospitals or one of the, uh, the federal beds that are being set up. Now uh, we have, uh, I guess, field hospitals being set up in high school football fields up in shoreline and um, which is North of Seattle. North of Seattle. Um, I don't know where they're setting up the others, but um, we did get cheated out of that medical ship, which is some real bullshit. I was excited to see that ship. Uh, you know, the This would be the USHS Mercy. You're right, right. <laughs> and that like, was, even our gov mercy. was like, um, well, that's a raw deal, but uh, I get that California probably needs it more than us right now. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, California does probably need it more than us right now. For sure, for sure. But I don't know. It would have been something to see. 
it would have been. It's true. I, you know, not that I would have risked breaking quarantine. <laughs> uh, you know, you stay in your car, you're fine. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah just drive slowly by it. Just drive slowly, gawking with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> what else is there to do? It's not a whole lot to do, unless you're me when you're gainfully employed. And so you're uh, staring at spreadsheets while the world is melting down around you. And it makes it real hard to give a shit. But <laughs> yeah. So for our audience who's not intimately familiar with the details of our lives, uh, Jason is gainfully employed, as he literally just mentioned. Um, and true. I am not. I am society's parasite. Uh, quite possibly on my last week of receiving unemployment. So we'll see how that goes. And um, I don't have a whole lot to do all day. So hence the podcast. Hence the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also for posterity, but right. I am, as I mentioned, I do have an MA in Holocaust studies. So very. And I have a social degree in culinary arts. So. Yeah, he also has a BA, too, he's not talking about. But <laughs> together, we know most things. So We have a lot of degrees, but uh, none of them in... Well, no, your culinary arts degree, I guess, is actually useful. Yeah, it got me a job. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. Um, we'll, we'll be, I guess, in the final yeah. product. Don't need to get you fired. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, can we cut that in post? <laughs> we'll cut that in post. We'll Thanks, just beep it. I've always wanted to beep something, you know, and do that like beep. Oh, beep it. Yeah, totally beep it. It'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> um, it'll be like a fucking mystery for like all three people that end up listening to this. Like my mom, your mom, and I don't know, some rando on the internet. Maybe Joan Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah, get JP out here. Yeah. So, Nurgle's blessings to you. We Nurgle's are officially in a hunker-down state, sheltering in place. Yeah, so why don't we talk about what our governor, Jay Inslee, um, said today, dropped on us today. Some some knowledge. Some knowledge. Hard truth. Um, so today, Jay Inslee, governor of Washington State, who I will almost certainly end up voting for if he hasn't, knock on wood, died from coronavirus by November, um, but I'm also about to say some very critical things about Jay Inslee. So, uh, uh, full disclosure: I do have a soft spot for Jay Inslee because he was nice to me a couple times in my life. So, Jason's actually met the man. I have not, and I, <laughs> you know, when I taste blood, I just like to roll them eyes back and start wiggling. So, Jay Inslee announced that uh, we are in a basically shelter in place. I don't recall that he ever mentioned shelter in place, but uh, stay home, stay healthy was the directive. Uh, and more or less it uh, corresponds with the shelter in place order. We're supposed to stay home as much as we can. Uh, you know, obviously we can still go outside and stuff because unfortunately <laughs> in this way, this isn't communist China where they can just drop off a bunch of loudspeakers and be like, stay the fuck home or chase you with drones chase you with drones or whatever. teams of men with catch bowls and nets. We're getting there. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I want to see those nets though. That sounds hilarious. So Jay Inslee, uh, <laughs> Jay Inslee basically announced that we are, um, you know, people have been referring to it um, as on lockdown, which to my mind, like conjures images of like, you know, 
zoom shots of troops jumping out of trucks and shit inter intercut with Jainsley's speech, hup, which hup, 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 hup. was not the vibe I got today. But uh, we have all been advised to basically stay the fuck home, which I think isn't really surprised to anyone. Um, all you know, non-essential uh, businesses are being closed. Um, remind me, Jason, when are they being closed? Um, immediately. Oh no, I don't think that's quite right. Uh, midnight tonight. Oh no, I think it's longer. Uh, I think you said something about forty hours. I think it's forty-eight. Actually, it's two whole fucking days, Jason. <laughs> it's too many days. It's like this. Honestly, like, and I am, you know, a resident of Seattle, where this shit is begun in washington state at least oh and, it's begun like this shit needed to happen like two weeks ago yeah like, <laughs> yes absolutely uh this is kind of like borderline this isn't a, a nuclear option this is like a moab option right and it needed to happen weeks ago because people are out here having like kissing volleyball games and just uh I'm seeing pickup basketball games. I'm seeing people just shoulder to shoulder trying to get what's left in the grocery stores. It's just, it's chaos out here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. I don't know that it's, <laughs> that it's chaos. It's just, <laughs> just dogs and cats living Pandemonium. together. <laughs> All right. Bit of hyperbole, but people are flouting the suggestion to stay at home and to avoid definitely. socializing. Um, which is uh, a known factor that has been occurring in Italy. Uh, we hear time and time again that people have not been taking the suggestion to stay home seriously. They have not been taking the mandate to stay home seriously. And as a result, it's just been spreading and absolutely rolling that country for weeks now. And it's just going to get worse. So, And quite frankly, a preview of what's to come in the United States. Um, absolutely. I mean, fucking fingers crossed it won't get that bad in Washington, May. Uh, but like New York City, Florida, is in, in trouble. Oh God, New York for sure. New York for sure. Just the population density alone. Like Seattle is not, you know, it's like a big city, but it's not that big a city. It's mostly zoned for like single family homes, so there's actually quite a bit of space. Yeah, stretching room. That and we're like a fairly uh unsociable creature so <laughs> it's true my life as an unemployed person has really not changed all that much in this crisis i sit at home hang out with my cats and mostly smoke pot and play video games i too enjoy the errant video game so <laughs> it uh it's been it's been a pretty fine adjustment i would consider myself resistant to cabin fever Mm, uh, yeah, when I yeah. turned 30, I was just so excited because I finally felt my my own age for the first time in my life. So yeah, your your body <laughs> finally caught up with your soul. So if that's any indication of how I'm taking the quarantine right now, uh, yeah, it's it's I know that I'm fairly fairly well insulated and and privileged at this time, and uh, I do often think about the people that were working and the people that are working. In the kitchen industry, where I was just a couple years ago, um, mm -hmm. how I would be out of a job right now, mm -hmm. no health care, mm -hmm. uh, at a time where there's a goddamn plague ripping through the city. So mm -hmm. 
it's kind of um, it just my gut falls out from beneath me when I think about that. Just how just a simple bifurcation in my life in the in the stream of my life, and I went one way and the other way was just going to be torpedoed in two and a half years. Like, and I don't want to like detract from your skill or anything, but to emphasize the the privilege angle, like. So background at beep, like I was the manager and I helped bring Jason on because we were good buds and I also knew he wasn't like, you know, I knew he was a smart, hardworking dude, not a fuck up. And Jason subsequently, you know, learned self-taught a lot of skills and, you know, did the whole tech bro thing. Um, But like, you know, Jason had an in uh, in the form of me and... And and me personally, who you know knew Jason and also knew from working with Jason that hiring kitchen people who may not have you know quote unquote tech experience um, is a good idea because kitchen people work their fucking asses off. And yeah, like that's just so you know fortunate that 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 path diverged. I'm like I'm really glad I, I hooked you up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and a kitchen guy that doesn't smoke, I was practically a unicorn. Practically a unicorn. Yeah, I have never witnessed you do crack. I mean, I was suggesting something a bit lighter, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like um, a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. uh, stogie. I have seen you. Without my, my Meerschraum pipe while I'm on the line. And, yeah, you know, yeah just, the full, the full like, Elkhorn. <laughs> uh, it smells great, but it really clashes with the... Um, with the salads I was preparing. <laughs> well, to take us back to Inslee for a sec, um, one random thought I had was that Inslee referred to this as the lingering intrusion, quote unquote, in our lives. And I thought that was very like, this is the lingering intrusion. Like that's how like a slave owner refers to the civil war. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a quite the inconvenient incursion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, no, actually, uh, Sherman's armies are currently burning down your ill-gotten gains, slave owner. Oh, but, and, they, um, and they've got the uh, guitar player from uh, Mad Max Fury Road leading them to the sea the whole time. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> um, but speaking of privilege, here was one thing that I found somewhat alarming with Inslee. Inslee did mention that you know, a number of, um, you know, all the non-essential uh, functions of government would shut down, but that essential functions would continue. Um, and he included the courts in this. He explicitly mentioned that the courts would remain open, which I think is totally fucked. Like, so we're, you know, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, or any kind of news that swings even like a little left, You've probably heard that it's maybe not super duper to be in a prison right now. Um, that some countries, uh, such as Iran, are big bad, um, have been releasing prisoners out of concern that the close, you know, close pack conditions one encounters commonly in a correctional facility <clears throat> are uh, conducive to spreading the coronavirus and all that good shit, and that. The lack of healthcare available to such people may, in fact, um, you know, make them uh, more vulnerable to negative outcomes. Uh, especially considering that they are, you know, they meaning uh, people 
in our prison systems are among the often among the most vulnerable of us both in terms of like economics and you know just physical health um right so yeah i thought it was pretty fucked that Inslee is keeping open the courts because like i don't know the judges will be fine and shit bailiff will be fine they got they got that public health care but like why are you bringing again like some of the most like physically and economically vulnerable people in our society why are you still bringing them in and out of this building where they can interact with shitloads of people like how do you i don't know in the american prison system as practiced today like how do you practice social distancing how does the guard social distance from you know the prisoner that this guard is escorting into court or something you know like yeah um having been in a court environment recently myself um I I totally agree with that. There's just a crazy amount of foot traffic. And what we really just have to do right now is to limit said foot traffic. I, I think we should restrict a lot of the court's functionality at the time. Like, hell, if you have a trial coming up, like, uh, it would, you have a right to a speedy trial, but you also shouldn't be getting exposed to this stuff. But I see a lot of there's a lot of other functions of the courts that are necessary. Like for instance, think of people that are in bad domestic violence Mm, uh, situations that need to get restraining orders. You know, like a lot of these stories that I'm reading out coming out are are about people that are basically trapped in violent households uh, and they can't go anywhere. There's nowhere for them to go because of the, the hunker down. It's like, it's not a, it's not a insignificant population that's affected by this. Mm-hmm. Too shame. You make an excellent point. Uh, but but yeah, to your point, like it should it should be restricted. Like there should be a lot of stuff that, like for instance, who fucking cares if you have a traffic ticket? Push that shit out. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> like I will not see you in court. Thanks very much. Uh, you can bill me, but I'm maybe you know just throwing it out there. Like wave all debts to the state right now. You know, fuck it. Like. Yeah for real like it's not important uh you can you can get your beak wet later but now's the time that you you fucking pay out you know what i mean yeah pretty much like <laughs> and you know go pay to the us feds. <laughs> yeah pay us go to the feds later with a bill the feds will be like okay yeah it's for me yeah, like like just the day to day functionality of the court, I think, is uh, a lot of busy work, and uh, that whole that whole sector down there is just like a really bad cross section of human traffic, not human trafficking, but just humans moving back and forth, like right. just the, a the lot traffic of, of human beings, the traffic of <laughs> not human the trafficking beings. of human beings, right? They usually get there via bus, car, Uber, Lyft, what yeah. have you. <laughs> but, because again, uh, often the people having to interact with our courts are among our most economically vulnerable. Absolutely. This is for you, listener. We know this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got the National Guard. They've been activated. Woo! Uh, they are setting up uh, medical camps. Um, uh, Professor Dr. Trump uh declare that we would receive three small uh modular field hospitals uh with a thousand one thousand beds apiece 
Uh, and they should be coming out here in the next uh, probably 24 hours because it was 48 hours when he said it. Uh, <laughs> and he's a man of his word. <laughs> he is, yeah. One thing I've learned from this presidency is that I can take anything the fucking president says at face value, as has always been true in American history. I bet, you know, it's probably Eric Trump's side hustle of a bunch of used Winnebago's that the federal government bought off him and they're driving over to Washington right now. Wait, which one's Eric? Uh, he's the one that looks more like young Trump than anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not the one that looks like Gary Busey. Right. <laughs> now, now oh, I'm getting them switched up now. They both kind of look like Gary Busey. I mean, but, Trump uh, himself. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is the blonde one. Dude. This is a random ass aside, but someday Gary Busey is going to like have his big comeback, assuming he doesn't die in coronavirus. Gary Busey is going to have his like big like here you go fucked up white dude comeback Oscar playing Trump in the Trump biopic. Oh man, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, I'd watch that movie. Yeah. Oh god, it's going to be surreal and bleak as fuck. And, uh, you know, only like nine out of ten of us will be alive to see it. (laughs) (laughs) But damn, it's going to be good. Darren Aronofsky made it. Uh, He was living in his uh, bubble, the same bubble taken from the set of The Fountain. The very same. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's got uh, What's-Her-Face in there. Yep, totally got Rachel Weiss in there. Yeah, Rachel Weiss is in there. Uh, they've just been hanging out for years. Uh, she's a she's a tree, though. <laughs> Spoilers for this artsy sci-fi movie from, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. It's something else. Uh, I've watched The Fountain, uh, even with those spoilers. It's uh, worth watching. It's I feel like it's a little short of a masterpiece, but it's damn good. Man, we watched The Joker last night. Oh, how was it? You know, I was really concerned at first because I thought it was just going to be like some like insole ammunition, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The trailers seemed like a parade of people of color shitting on his day. The people of color, it's deadly just because it takes place in like a major metropolitan area, and it's so actually there are people a, of color. Yeah, it's just a pretty diverse crowd, but it's actually just kind of a class warfare movie mm-hmm. about uh, a very sick man falling between the cracks of a failing social system, and um, yeah, just the uh, what riches remain in Gotham are being hoovered up by the the 1% uh, manifested and distilled within the iron hand of Thomas Wayne, a man running for mayor who shows very little respect for the people he seeks to uh, represent and serve. Uh, definitely that, that same kind of paradigm we have now where we expect our leaders to be, you know, rulers rather than leaders. Yeah. Uh, subjugators rather than paragons. And um, <laughs> yeah, high level managers. <laughs> we just love some high level management instead of despot. But, I will say I love a sinister Thomas Wayne. Um, I really oh, like you got him in this movie. <laughs> just from a narrative perspective, I really like like a like I like the idea of a, you know, truly noble 
if admittedly deeply fucked up Bruce Wayne, like trying to live up to the memory of a dude who was like way worse than he is. Oh God. So much worse. Oh yeah. This is great poetry in that. The movie does gaslight you quite a bit because, you know, Arthur Fleck is very, very sick. Well, his mother's also very sick. (laughs) And the entire narrative that they tell themselves that propels their arc along uh, may or may not be real, but it doesn't change the material conditions that they live in. So Mm. it's, it's pretty interesting because like the emotional, the emotional arc misses, but it's because it's a, it's a direct result of them just being so fucked up and sick. Sure. So it was, it was interesting. I recommend it. It's definitely like lifting, or biting a lot off of Martin Scorsese. I was going to say, have you ever seen The Kings of Comedy? Yeah. <laughs> Taxi Driver? Got it. <laughs> would Would you recommend people watch this or just Taxi Driver and The Kings of Comedy? You know what? Uh, watch the classics first, and, you know, you'll understand where a lot of the, um, a lot of the, 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 uh, the visual cues mm. come from. I mean... Nothing wrong with an illusion or a reference. Like, ah, no. nothing new under the sun, et cetera, et cetera. And honestly, it was it was quite refreshing to get so much character development in what is uh, ostensibly a superhero movie. Yeah, movie. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, it, it really didn't feel like it. Like, honestly, it feels like a movie that shouldn't have a sequel, and Batman will never actually work in it. Um, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne in this world will grow up to basically be like a, you know, a private equity fund manager and like become really good friends with Jeffrey Epstein. So (laughs) I don't, I don't see him, you know, strapping on a rubber suit and beating the criminalized insane with his fists. So hey, it's Kevlar, okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. uh, Highly recommend it. It was good. Um, Definitely uh, conducive to our times. Very, very topical. Mm. The the class warfare piece felt like it sneaks up on you a little bit, but it's, Mm. but it's, it kind of works because Arthur Fleck is completely uh, unmoored to what's going on around him. So like as this tide, you know, the, the rising tide of people's anger mm-hmm. kind of engulfs him, it actually just buoys him up and he's more surprised than anybody by the fact that, you know, his actions are suddenly being lauded as these, these great strikes against, you know, the oppressive ruling class. So, and it's set like eighties, like peak, Peak coked out Wall Street era, yeah. Oh, totally. There's a there's a garbage strike on, so the streets are just filthy. Oh, and I love a garbage strike, except when yeah. it happened to us. That sucked. <laughs> I mean, fucking. To be clear, you know, solidarity. They were striking for a reason that I support. Pay your sanitation workers. Pay all your workers. You know what? If you're rich and you're listening to this, fuck you. Fuck you. It's that easy. Fuck you. Best the best thing you can do right now is to give all of your money away. Yeah, I was going to say that too. <laughs> That's the only the only logical next step. Sorry. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep your one fine-ass house. We know you got a fine-ass house. And yeah. Let's be honest. We know you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> they have a separate podcast network. 
Um, oh, it's like the dating thing. Jean Paul was one. trying for the longest damn time to get me on um, Rich Tinder. What it was even called what? Rich Tinder. Yeah, Rich Tinder, basically, because he just wanted to see like the class of folk that were on Rich Tinder, and I was like, sure. I, don't, I feel like I don't want to date any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't think they'd be interesting? <laughs> Not to me. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like the kind of person you want to meet and, like, seduce and marry without a prenup. But I don't think that's really the kind of person I am. Praxis. The... Praxis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... Hashtag revolution. How interested are you, really, in the how downhill Aspen has been going over the past five years, you know? Like, who cares? I mean, I'd go to Aspen and get high as fuck. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, but they're going for the big game hunting, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the game you don't know about in Aspen. Kids, they're going to abuse children. Uh, Sasquatches, I was going to say, but also that. <laughs> but let's be honest, where there are rich people, child abuse is not far. There are definitely some satanic underrealms under where they congregate. That's for sure. I don't uh, know. Let's not besmirch Satanists. Okay, I know. Um, Satanists are comrades, Jason. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, some of them, anyway. Some of them are real objectivist pricks, but yeah, the objectivism is really what bothers me. Uh, I don't know these goddamn Mammon worshippers. How's that? Yeah, fuck Mammon. Yeah, Mammon sucks. But <laughs> this has been a demonology hour. Yeah, I was so. gonna say, shall we wrap up our demon? <laughs> uh, we'll do a. Um... Uh, we'll beseech uh, King Solomon real quick, and then we'll move on to our next bit. Oh, shit. I do need to go reference those coins and see who will protect me from disease. Oh, um, I'll look it up for you, but there's a lot of them that protect against disease. Yeah. Uh, do you, you want serpents, too? I can toss in serpents. <laughs> and Detect serpent. I'm, I'm generally okay with serpents. I wouldn't... You know, like, if I could detect serpents, sure, why not? But I'm not going to spend money on it. If I could detect serpents, I would move to Florida. And oh, just be a serpent detector? Just be a serpent detector. Abby. I would have just, like, this kick-ass lifted truck with, like, a big plastic snake on the back of it. I wouldn't have any equipment. I would just have, like, a guy that I rolled with that had just, like, crazy calloused hands. And I'd just be, like, pointing out snakes I definitely have a beer in one hand. Oh, absolutely! Like a couple uh, in the in the cooler behind you, right? Like a couple like, of six racks, not just a couple <laughs> beers. Ah, uh, my best life. <laughs> I just make like a cool five grand a month doing that. Oh, at least. Uh, uh, none of course. it taxable. None of it's taxable because I only accept cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want these snakes gone, don't you? Well, you wouldn't get them, get rid of them. You just find them. <laughs> I would find them. I would get my calloused friend to take them. We would right. then release them, and another part of town we cleared up earlier. That'd be me. You'd you'd cast detect serpents, and I'd be like, "All right, go get some snakes." <laughs> <laughs> That's one. <laughs> well, a snake over here, and I'll, all right. Oh, oh, oh. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'd be nice great. One. And then we could, like, sell the snakes. Like, we could have a side hustle selling snakes. Oh, man. Just, just driving to some, like, like take them to the big city or something. Like, fill a van up with snakes and drive to Atlanta. 
Like, oh, these dark ass alleys. People come up, be like, "Hey, man, you, you got a snakes? snake problem now, Atlanta? You want some snakes? I gotta find out what that devil or demon is. I need to find out what it likes, and I'm gonna get that cantrip." Honestly, like Seattle's kind of got a rat problem, and once people start dropping like flies, gonna have more ones. So <laughs> we need snakes to kill the rats. We need snakes. So I guess if you're listening to this and you're wondering how you can help us more besiege people in Seattle. Um, send snakes. Food would be good. If you can somehow convince Mitch McConnell to not be bad Gamera and be good Gamera, that would be great, too. Can he be kind to the children? I, I don't know if he can, man. He's a Republican. I Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I would love some actual action from Congress, though. Oh, that'd be dope. Something and, uh, like, sweeping and powerful, not this tepid limp response that's very yeah. reminiscent of 1929 yeah we will while we are on the subject of congress like the democrats blocking this shit in the senate is quite possibly the most courageous thing the democrats have ever done it was egregious because <laughs> fuck the republican plan did i barely looked into it and i had to shield behind a sheet of lead it was so radioactive. The yeah, so basically people <laughs> would, human beings in America suffering from the collapse of our economy, potentially up to 30% unemployment, which FYI is higher than the Great Depression. Um, these suffering human NBD. beings... <laughs> NBT. <laughs> these suffering human beings are, you know, the Republican plan is to give them a $1,200 check. Full stop. Maybe six hundred bucks if you qualify. Later. Um, I don't actually know if this is what Pelosi passed or tried to pass or whatever the hell's happening in the House. But uh, what I have seen from some Democrats is a counterproposal, which I, to my mind, would actually be pretty fairly reasonable. Would be um, two thousand dollars every two weeks to every adult in America. Uh additional unemployment on top of that for those of us who are in fact unemployed uh, wow that would cover most people yeah uh it would easy. actually be an incredible improvement in the co in like the quality of life for most people yeah expansion of medicaid um expansion of medicare expansion of you know just universal health care in general supporting this thing they're not i think trying to actually pass universal health care but universal health care for coronavirus related issues maybe um, if we like it enough we'll keep it kind of like our private health process. insurance you know if you like your government bailout you can keep it yeah i mean i'll probably cut this bar because i don't want the republicans hearing it and getting but like let's be honest you start spending two thousand dollars on people every couple of weeks you think you're gonna claw that back good fucking luck yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think that'd be pretty legit and then you know what we don't have to worry about the landlords in the short term they still get their money now about the landlords i mean this, this kind of money coming in is basically like the landlords are now the grizzly bears standing upstream as the salmon are swimming. Like, More how are we going to prevent them from jacking up rent if they know that people suddenly have an additional four thousand dollars of uh, disposable income? Basically, well, that's a great question. I think you know, I know in reality, is. there's really not a lot. <laughs> um, 
potentially we could fall back on local protections you know like right. for example in washington state you need at least two months to raise rent by um, more than what 10 percent, five percent something like that mm. um although in washington it's like if you know if you give a month's notice you can raise by 10 percent, and if you give like two months or three months or whatever you can raise by a million dollars if you want but uh i think also you know like a lot of have you know these moratoriums on evictions uh you know which could be theoretically like if people you know in general realize that the power's in their hands in that situation they can call their landlord if their landlord tries to gouge them on this hypothetical democratic deal that's never going to pass uh you know call their landlord and say to them like look i can keep paying rent at a normal reasonable level or you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm heading towards. <laughs> what I'm really interested in seeing, I guess, because to be quite honest with listener people, um, I am also very privileged in that uh, my family has uh, some money that they can throw at me to help me out in my unemployment. Um, but, you know, if we reach a point where I am no longer pay rent like i may in fact have to lean on this no evictions thing <laughs> for the meantime and just like fuck my credit for the rest of well for seven years anyway um but i do wonder what the republicans think is going to happen you know like in june or august or whenever yeah late summer this is over late summer when this is over and all of a sudden like 30 40 million people get evicted what do you think is going to happen guys give us yeah. two thousand bucks every couple of weeks and you won't have an actual fucking revolution. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've just been saying yeah a whole lot, but the... But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my current situation, my lease is up at the end of May. And um, we'll be full swing in a, in a goddamn coronavirus pandemic. And yeah. like... <laughs> they'll actually maybe post the post-peak by then. It depends how, but how good a job we do. <laughs> well, I'm going to say right now, I have little to no faith that it will go well. Yeah. <laughs> so, In which case, then peak should be like late April. <laughs> late April, yeah. So, we'll cut this part too so your landlord doesn't hear it. Eh, yeah, he's an avid podcast listener. I know I'm that. I'm sure. He calls me up sometimes and he's like, Jason, um, I don't respect you, but have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> I respect fish. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was actually. Uh, well, here's your problem. Shout out. Um, yeah. Listen to. Well, here's your problem. If you don't. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's pretty good. The I I found out today actually that moving services are considered essential services. So I mean, like they expect the people to still be able to move, which is cool. But at the same time, but. Uh, that's terrible social distancing, <laughs> especially when moving requires you to call in friends, children of your friends, younger siblings, older siblings. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even if you don't call your whole fucking family to help you out with it, since like moving, you know, with professional movers, you're still talking like three or four or five different people yep. coming into close contact with each other. And Grabbing, you, know, you know, touching shit. You don't think those movers are wiping, you know, touching their face, wiping sweat off their face while they're picking up all your heavy shit. And they are working maybe multiple houses a day. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Totally. I mean, if the place is making any money there. So that's a fun, fun little vector there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually looked at this house today in Fremont and yeah. uh, we're going to, we're going to, I think we're going to apply for it. Uh, I had this like violent allergic reaction. Uh, it wasn't real allergies. I was just, I, I was, does that seem like the house you want to live in then? <laughs> I, my lungs snapped shut and I turned that's, blue. Jason, that's a red flag. Uh, Vanessa did inject my heart with epinephrine. Um, yeah. Does that need to happen every day? <laughs> it's fine. She, she could steal it. <laughs> yeah. My no, heart. Is... I think this we're into the like cut part of the podcast now. <laughs> uh, just kidding. She doesn't do that. But no. um, God no, especially not now. With especially not genuine now. need. Like, um, let's be honest. Like at the bottom of it, like healthcare workers are probably there because they actually care about being there because they see a lot of fucked shit. Yeah, healthcare workers are a special breed. They are tenacious people. They do not care about poop. They will put their lives on the line to make sure that your terrible, terrible situation is just a little bit more bearable. Um, it's work for them, but they also understand that when you're sick, you're so vulnerable and you're at a very important moment in your life. And um, like, I hate to say that it's a lot like customer service, but <laughs> you have to nail that. Like you have to nail it because it's just so important for people's health and their mental state, which is, you know, cornerstone of recovery. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's about caring for people in more than just like keeping them physically alive. Right, like that's doctors' jobs. <laughs> cleaning them, brushing yeah. their teeth, uh, providing them basic dignity while they're recovering from all sorts of terrible maladies and surgeries and what have you. Yeah, even just like honestly, like fucking talking to people. Sometimes that's their only point of contact in the hospital. Yeah, that's especially the only now human being they get to talk to. Yeah, especially now where it's not like they're like, oh, go visit your friends with SARS too. Yeah, like. I was hospitalized for about a week some years back, and Ethan here visited me every day. Dude, honestly, it was, like, close to two. Yeah, it was close. It was, like, ten-plus days, but... There was an intermission, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs> I went twice, yeah. But I wasn't spewing deadly um, respiratory illnesses, so people mm. could come visit me. Can I mean, they probably shouldn't drink out of the same glass I was, but... I did not do that. <laughs> but... Um... It was Epstein Bar, by the way. Uh, not Jeffrey not Epstein. To be Bar. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, <laughs> dearly departed Jeffrey Epstein and current uh, uh, Attorney General. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, where was I going with this? I, yeah, I don't know. I hope the sound of me spitting uh, hit the mic, though. That was good. It's <laughs> good radio. It's uh, good radio. Maybe uh, wrap it up? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, but yeah. To... Jason, what would be your final word to the people for today? My final word, stay the fuck home. I think that's a good one. Call your family and friends. Video chat your parents. It means the world to them. They don't know what's happening. They don't. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta love them. And get like, good at video love games. them from afar, though, because yeah. they are the ones. 
like <laughs> me and Jason and um, even poor Vanessa, you know, slaving away in the trenches. Shit. We'll most likely survive this shit, but your parents, like, are a lot closer to death than you maybe realize. And if you're asthmatic like either of us, um, that's another thing that's constantly haunting the edges of my mind. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. I can't say that my smoking habit really doesn't for Mike's confidence here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, I would say don't panic. The supply chain is fine. Don't panic by. Um, As take this time <laughs> off of work to reconnect with things that you like to do and just just steep in this time that you have because this is a really interesting moment in history. A lot of people are realizing how much they've built their lives around work and how it doesn't need to be that way. And I think that if we play our cards right and apply pressure where it needs to be, we could come out of this wiser and probably with some pretty solid concessions. Yeah, agreed. I think that's a great point, Jason. Like, think while you're sitting alone, watching Netflix, doing whatever, fucking making the next generation of baby boomers. Oh, like, it's definitely going to be a generational event for sure. The, the Corona like, kids. The Corona kids. But, like, think about what you want. Look at the way the system is failing right now. And look at the ways that it will continue to fail. And fucking remember that. And, you know, Jason, we were talking about this. Maybe I wasn't. Anyway, we were, I think we were talking about this earlier. But, like, remember who you need to be fucking angry at right now. It's not Chinese people. It's not immigrants. It's not hoarders. It's these rich pieces of shit in charge of us who did nothing. They nothing. sold stock. They sold stock. Fuck these people. They should be in prison. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just really want to reiterate that. Stay home. Stay home. Don't go out if you don't have to. Stay home. Eat lots That's of beans. Lot. Of cool things to do on the internet. Oh my god, have you heard of the internet? There's so much shit. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's pictures of dogs and cats. Like, be careful because there's pictures of some other shit too. But <laughs> basically anything. But basically anything. Be careful, but the internet, great place. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to our inaugural episode of Dispatches from Seattle. I'm Jason. I'm Ethan. All right, stay safe out there. All right. Get out of here, Craig. You like my cheesy outro? Yeah, it was good. <laughs>